Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, it is a great day, and I am excited to bring you the Word of God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get anything last week on the message on family? What it means to be family. Well... Today, I want us to dig into to a, a continuation of that. And, you know, many years ago, uh, before we even had kids, Susan and I were, were married, but we didn't have any kids yet. And we went to a, a conference um, in Woodlake Assembly of God Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was a, um, a pastor from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, a pastor by the name of J. Don George. And uh, he, he was the, the speaker that night. And I remember him saying something that, that stuck with me and really, really struck in, in my spirit. And uh, I've never forgotten it. And he was talking about what we do so many times as a, as a church family, as, as the body of Christ, he said, sometimes we have somebody who gets born again. And when their behavior doesn't immediately change, then our response is, well, I guess maybe they didn't get saved after all. Maybe they didn't get born again after all. And he's saying, think of it in your family. When you have a newborn baby in your family, you are all excited. You're calling all the family members and telling them, you know, the so-and-so baby is, is here. You know, we just, we just had the baby this morning. And, you know, and you're all excited. He said, and then this, my goodness, then this baby, several months later, um, starts to try to walk. And you're so excited that that baby took his first steps. And then baby falls. And, you know, they, they've got a special padded place that's made for that. And, uh, you know, they, they never get hurt. They just, but, but they fall. And he said, when they fall, nobody goes and calls all the family back and say, well, I guess 
baby Junior wasn't born after all. Again, they get born into the family of God. When they fall, when they make mistakes, we say, well, I guess they didn't get born after all. And, you know, and, and it's true. And, and the reason it stuck with me is because, you know, at that time, that was kind of the mentality I had that, uh, well, a person is that that uh, if they actually got saved, then their life should reflect their salvation immediately. And, you know, I come to learn that that's not necessarily the case. Now, we believe that salvation, we don't change our life to be saved, but salvation will change our life. And that there should at some point be evidence of salvation that begins to show up in a person's life. So I'm thinking about this. What is going on there? <laughs> um, it's all right. If you, if you can ignore that and, and uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll work through it. We'll get it done. And, uh, but, but here's the thing that, you know, I was thinking about that, and I thought, I want you to remember back to when your kids were little, when they, when they were first starting to walk. No parent whose child is just starting to walk takes its first steps. Nobody says, well, you stupid kid, why aren't you talking? <laughs> no, they took uh, their first step. You're so excited about the step, the talking part, that's, you're not even thinking about that then. You're excited that they took their first step. And in the family of God, we're talking about family here. In the family of God, when someone begins to follow the Lord, we should be thrilled and excited, even more so excited about every step they take toward maturity in God. But to, toward maturity, growing up into Christ. Every step should be cause for celebration. Praise God. Not, talk, but so often we talk about the, the thing that they didn't do rather than talking about the step they took forward. And so we're growing up into Christ we're maturing in Christ, and you see, and the thing is, every single individual, they are an individual, all right? No two are identical. You are uniquely created by God who never runs out of ideas. Hallelujah. And when he thought up you... He didn't say, let's make another one like this one. No, he made you like you. 
and there is not another you anywhere. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, when, when we begin to learn that as, as we grow up into Christ, every victory is cause for rejoicing. Praise God. Praise God. And, you know, the, the thing is, I want you this morning, I want you to get off of thinking about your own growth, and I want you to, to start to consider one another and how to help them grow. I didn't say demand that they grow. I said help them grow. Praise God. Help them grow. So you can have something to do, as a, as a family, you can have something to do with their growth. Praise God. You can contribute to their growth. Or you can contribute to them, you know, I mean, how many people are running around, they became a criminal, and they blame it on their parents? Well, you know, my parents did this, my parents did that, so therefore, I'm a criminal. And, and so, you know, uh, sometimes that is true, you know. Sometimes a, a child was abused, and sometimes it affects them throughout their entire life. But the truth is, ultimately, they have to make a decision themselves. Now, ultimately... Every person in the body of Christ has got to make a decision if they're going to follow Jesus or not. And, and, and here's where, where it comes in for you. You've got to make a decision on your own and stop blaming it on everybody else if you're not following Jesus. But at the same time, if you're on the other side of this, you can do something to help that. You can do something to contribute to, to one another's growth. This is why the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, uh, you know, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is the manner of some, but so much the more as we see the day approaching. You can have something to do with contributing to the growth of the person sitting next to you. Now, you're, when you stand before the Lord and you give account before the Lord, he's not going to ask you what did somebody else do to you. He's going to ask, what, what you're going to give account for is you. But you can contribute to someone else's growth. Praise God. Praise God. And so if we're going to mature, it stops being just about us. You know, Izzy got in the sermon last week, and Izzy's going to get in the sermon this week. Because she's our newest. <laughs> I think she's our newest. Um, but anyway, um, 
not for long, but, uh, you know, we, we've got some more on the way. But, um, but for right now, we're going to talk about Izzy, because Izzy does not care if James and Hannah get any sleep or not. She doesn't care about that at all. Uh, that does not cross her mind, you know. Um, but the thing is, there will come a time as she grows and matures that she'll begin to think about those things, you know. She'll begin to consider those things. And slowly but surely, she'll begin to consider one another. She has siblings by then, you know, or, you know, beginning to consider one another, how that, uh, how that she be, uh, affects the other members of the household. She begin to consider those things. And it should be the same thing with the body of Christ. When you're first born again, when you're first saved, you first come to the Lord, it's all right to just focus on you. That's fine. But there comes a point when you've got to forget about you and start thinking about one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at this. In, in Genesis chapter 1, we've been building off of this, chapter 1, verse number 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, there is something that God created us for. And, you know, if you ask most Christians, well, what did God create us for? Well, why did God create us? Well, most Christians would answer this. Well, God created us to worship him. That's not, that's not right. That's, that's not correct. Worshiping him is, is very important, and I'm not minimizing that, but I'm saying that's not the primary reason why you were created. He just told us right there why he created you. He created you to be in his image and according to his likeness. He created you to have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over all the earth. He created you to have dominion. Now, he created a domain for you. He did that before he created you. Before he created man, he created the domain, and then he created man and put him in the domain and said, now this is yours. Praise God. This is yours, and I want you to rule this place. And I said this, that God never wanted to rule this place. He wanted you to rule this place. He created it for you to have a domain because he knew from the very beginning before he created 
the, you know, before he said, let there be light, he knew what he was going to do. He knew that, if, uh, you know, on the sixth day, he was going to create man. He knew that he was going to do that. So he said, you know, I could just imagine the board meeting that went on in heaven. And I, I can picture this, that, that uh, uh, you know, God says, let us make man in our image. And then I can picture Holy Spirit speaking up and says, okay, if we're going to do that, where are we going to put him? And God the Word says, well, let's, let's, make a, let's make a planet. So they create a planet. Well, what is this planet going to need? Well, it's going to need light. So, okay, so let there be light. Well, what, what else is it going to need? It's going to need an atmosphere. And so he begins to create the atmosphere on the planet. So what else is they going to need? They're going to need water. They're going to need food. They're going to need the, these are the things that they are going to need in order for life to be sustained on this planet. They're going to need all these things. So let, let's make these things. Praise God. And he begins to create it with you in mind. He didn't create all this and then you were an afterthought. Oh, let's, let's put a man here. No, he, he had man in mind before he ever created anything else. Praise God. And he had in mind what he wanted you to do. But see, we seem to think that when Adam ate, ate from that tree that he was told not to eat from, we seem to think God's plan changed. That God just scrapped the first plan. Well, they're not going to do it right, so I'll just rule this place myself. No, God did not scrap the original plan. And it, from that day forward, God set out on a mission, we could say, to bring man back to that place. To bring man back to the place of having dominion. Now, here's what God's not going to do. God is, you know, he put Adam here, gave him one commandment. He said, don't eat from that tree. Adam ate from that tree. And because Adam ate from that tree, it cost God the life of his son. It cost him that Jesus had to go to the cross. The book of Romans says this. It says that, that the word of faith speaks in this way. So don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above. So don't, the word of faith does not say who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead. Why does it say don't say those two things? Well, he already came down from above. He already came up from the grave. Praise God. And those two things are never going to happen again. So if man was to fall again, 
after he's been recreated in Christ Jesus, if he were to fall again, it would require Jesus to come back again to give his... I'm, I'm not talking about the second coming. I'm talking about it would require him to come back again to die on a cross again, and it is not going to happen again. So God is going to make sure that it never happens again. And there is always going to be this thing of, see, Adam was created full-grown, mature, individual. He knew exactly what he was doing. The good news is, I doubt that there is one person in this room, and that would include myself, that is even capable of doing what Adam did. Adam knew what he was doing. The Bible says that Eve was deceived. It says, but Adam was not deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing and did it anyway. Now, the reason it's good news is because you can't actually accidentally do what Adam did. Don't worry about it. You cannot accidentally do what Adam did. There are people that think they have, and there is a uh, there there is something that man I didn't even intend to go here at all. Um, Holy Spirit, I got to trust you to get me through this because you know I, I haven't actually prepared this part, but I, I, I sense the I sense the Spirit of God leading this way. That so if I say something wrong, understand. This is not something I studied on last night. You know, this is not something I... It's, it's not something that's brand new to me that I never thought of before. I, yes, I have. But, you know, I haven't sat down and outlined this thing and, and put a plan into place. But, you know, here's the thing that people talk about the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? Well, you know... If we want to know what the unpardonable sin is, some people think it's this, some people think it's that, and then some people say, well, let's go to the Word of God and let's see. You know, I, I'm more on the page with those people. Uh, they say, let's go to the Word of God and see. But here's what the Word of God says. It says that, that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Yeah. Now, but what we have to understand is what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it, it is the Holy Spirit that draws you to Christ. And if you continually reject the Holy Spirit, there is no other way for you to come to Christ. So if you reject the Holy Spirit and His work 
you're not coming to Christ. So therefore, God cannot forgive you except in Christ. But if you won't come, it's unpardonable. If you won't respond to the Holy Spirit, it's unpardonable. But it is not unpardonable forever because you could change your mind. Hallelujah. So I assure you, you have not sealed your eternal destiny. No matter what you have done, no matter what you have thought, no matter how many times you have rejected the Holy Spirit drawing you, you have not sealed your eternal destiny because today, maybe somebody, maybe you're in this room, maybe you're online, but somebody thinks they have sealed their eternal destiny. And so, therefore, you have just, you, you have lost all hope. You have lost, you, you, you think there's nothing I can do about it. I'm going to hell and there's not a thing I can do about it. Yes, there is. You can change your mind. Hallelujah. That's called repentance. You can change your mind and say, Jesus, you know, Jesus I trust you for my salvation. And the instant you do that, you will be saved just like anybody else. You will be saved. Praise God. You have not sealed your eternal destiny. Maybe you have committed a sin that cannot be pardoned because you're too stubborn to change your mind. But if you'll change your mind about Jesus, if you'll change your mind and trust him for your salvation, there is nothing you have ever done that could ever seal your eternal destiny. Uh, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you can receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And there is not a person anywhere that can't. Because salvation is for whosoever will. Praise God. Praise God. So maybe I just put hope back in your heart today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe hope has once again risen on the inside of you. And you think, I didn't want to go to hell, but I thought there was nothing I could do about it. Well, there's good news. You can do something about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. Got your Bible? Hold it up. If you got your Bible, hold it up. You know, I don't care if it's your phone. That's okay. Hold it up. Praise God. Now, open it and go to Philippians chapter 2. Praise God, because we need to read the Bible together. Hallelujah. Chapter 2, verse number 1 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, 
having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interest of others. Now, that's a powerful, power-packing punch right there that will get, you know. He says, let us consider or esteem others better than himself. Well, I just don't believe they're better than me. They just think they're all better than me. That's not what it means. It's not what it means. Let's look at what this means. When he's talking about esteem one another, esteem others better than yourself, he's talking about putting their interest above yours. He's not talking about, oh, well, they're, they're just better than, think they're all better than me. No, 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 no. He's not talking about them esteeming themselves better than you. You know, Scripture didn't say esteem yourself better than others. No, he said that you esteem others better than yourself. In other words, consider their interests above your own. Praise God. Praise God. You know, it's, let's look at this. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. In other words, I don't need to promote myself. I don't need to promote. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you go to a banquet and you walk in to the, to the banquet and there, there's rows of tables and, you know, up at this end is the more important seats, back at the other end is the less important seats. He said, don't ever take the first chair. He said, when you walk in, you go all the way to the other end and you sit down there. And he says, let the master of the feast come and tell you, no, your place is up here. In other words, don't promote yourself. Let the master of the feast promote you. Praise God. He said, because if you sit down in the most important seat and then the master of the feast says, no, you're supposed to be back here, you're going to be humiliated. But when the master of the feast says, no, come up here to the more important seat, you're going to be honored. See, let God promote you. Self-promotion, you see, I, I, I mentioned Izzy. Izzy doesn't care if her parents sleep. But the day will come when she will mature to the point that she needs to start caring about things that concern her parents. You know, um, 
in the body of Christ, in the family, the familia of God, if we're going to speak Spanish, the, the familia of Dios, you know, when, when we're talking about that, we're talking about considering one another to promote one another. Praise God. You see, you don't have to worry about it. If God has, a, has something for you just because, you know, you're not missing out on something because you don't promote yourself. God will make sure you get promoted. Praise God. He'll make sure of it. And the thing of it is, he knows the heart. And he knows your, if your heart, in your heart, you're trying to promote yourself. Or if there is genuine humility there. And it's not about considering yourself to be something less. No, he, that's not what he said. He didn't say consider yourself to be less. He said consider someone else to be more. Did you hear the difference there? He didn't say esteem yourself to be less than others. He said esteem others to be better than yourself. Esteem others higher and more important than you and God will promote you. Praise God. Praise God. This is how you move up in the family of God. It's how it works. Romans chapter 12, verse number 10. Notice this. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Preferring one another is what he's saying. Can you be as excited about someone else's promotion as you are about your promotion? That's what he's talking about. Can you get as excited? You know, do you want to share someone else's promotion as much as you want to share your promotion? Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 15. Do, not, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Then in verse 17, he says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now, when you begin to understand that, you begin to understand he's already promoted you. Praise God. Because you have become one spirit with the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, or back to it. We hadn't been there. So uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Praise God. Verse number 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, 
being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, there is a big thing that people are saying a lot now. I'm sure you've heard it. We don't go to church. We are the church. I just have, I have to disagree with you. No, you are not the church. You corporately are the church. You individually cannot be the church because the church is the body, and the body has many members, not one. So it is impossible that you by yourself could be the church. And you go to church to meet with the other members of the body. Praise God. Praise God. But now he, he says that uh, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. It implies that there are many members, but one spirit that you were baptized into. Praise God. Praise God. Many members. Hallelujah. Then he goes on, and I, I love this chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It says, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? In other words, let's get this. Just because you're not like me doesn't mean you're not a member of the body. Hmm. You see, we sometimes start thinking everybody should be the same. Do you realize that, a, that a, a good leader, a good pastor, I, I, I'm not taking that title upon myself, but, you know, uh, if I'm a good pastor, I want to be, and so I learn what good pastors are like. And so a good pastor doesn't treat everybody equal. Do you realize that's a, that is a, a, a deception of the devil that everybody needs to be treated equal? Everybody needs to be treated the same. It, well, you know, it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. If you know me very long, you will figure out I don't care about fair. I care about helping you be better. You see, because you can't do what I do. I'm not saying that you couldn't be a pastor. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't do what I do, but I can't do what you do either. Because I have gifts and talents that you don't have, but you have gifts and talents I don't have. 
And the way the body is supposed to work, the way the family is supposed to work is, you know, see, this, this is one of the things that is, that is wrong in our culture today. We think everybody has to be the same. And you're not the same as everybody else. You are unique. God made you unique. And the same people that scream that we're all the same also scream, well, I'm unique. You can't have it both ways. Either you're the same or you're unique. Well, I choose unique because that's what God said. Praise God. I am unique. There is nobody else like me. There is nobody has exactly the same talents I have. There is nobody else has the same abilities I have. There is nobody else has the same that you have. Praise God. Because God created you to supply something to the body, something to the family. When the mom tries to be the dad... And sometimes society has forced that to, to happen. But when mom tries to be the dad, it don't work quite the same as if dad is the dad and mom is the mom. And the kids are the kids. Praise God. And that's the only way it actually works right. Dad, you would do well to find out what God says your role is and do your role. And mom, you would do well to find out what yours is and do your role. Because the Bible says there is growth of the body when every part does its share. That means if there is shares of something, not everybody has the same share because there's, you know, if, if everybody has the same share, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, if, if, if all we had was a whole bunch of eyes, where is the smelling going to be? If all we've got is a whole bunch of ears, how are you going to walk? You see, you might be a foot, and somebody, the person sitting next to you might be a hand, but you have to work together. You don't walk on your hands. It might be possible for you to get there without your feet, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. Praise God. We've got to do our share, fulfill our role in the body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the sooner we begin to realize what our role is and stop worrying about somebody that's not doing their, their, their job. You know whose job that is? When you start doing that, you're, trying, you're starting to take the head's role. Who's the head? Jesus is the head. When you start concerning yourself with who's not doing their job right and who's not fulfilling their duty and who's not, you know, taking their responsibility and you start worrying about that, you're not, you're, you're trying to take the head's job. You're trying to take Jesus' job. And, I'm, and honey, I got news for you. 
you ain't getting it. It ain't going to work. You're not getting his job. Praise God. Praise God. God composed the body. And notice this. But our presentable parts, well, I, I skipped some verses there. I didn't mean to skip. Let's go back to about verse 18 and read straight through this. So I got going and got off. And, but let, let's read from verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Just as who pleased? He pleased, just as he pleased. Think of it this way. God didn't create a job for you. He created you for the job. See, if he created a job for you, that, that means he's going to see, you know, well, let's see how this one turns out, and then we'll find a place where maybe they can fit. That's not what God did. God had a job to do, and he said, I'm going to make Michelle for this job. She was created with purpose. The, the job wasn't created for her. She was created on purpose for the job that he had in mind. Isaiah was created on purpose for the job that God had in mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Adam was created on purpose to rule this planet. And what did Adam do? Adam messed it up. And then he turned around and he blamed it on Eve. The woman you gave me that's what he said. That's what he said. He tried to blame it on her. Adam could have stopped this thing, but he didn't. Now, all he had to do was his job. Praise God. God has set the members in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. And he goes on, he says, nor indeed the head to the feet. Now, first time I ever saw this, and I cannot read over this again without, ever again in my life, I can never read over this without thinking of this. He says, nor again the head to the feet. Who is the head? Jesus is the head of the body. And he says, the head, Jesus cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Wow, doesn't that make you feel important? 
Hallelujah. You know, we could substitute anything in there. We, the head can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. The head can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. The head needs you. And he needs you doing what you do. He doesn't need you doing what he gave somebody else to do. Praise God. He needs you to do what he created you to do. Praise God. You know, and th this is one that you've all heard me talk about this. Uh, this is something I get on every once in a while and I talk about. But, uh, you know, I talk about the, in the body of Christ we have utility players. And a utility player is somebody that can play anywhere. You just put them somewhere and they can play it. And, uh, you know, you all know I'm a Major League Baseball fan. Major League Baseball has every team likes to have those players that they can just put them, you know, this guy gets hurt over here, so we can put this guy there. He can play that position. Or this person over here gets hurt. He can play that position. And, and actually, they created this season, just, just this uh, season that just ended um, in October last year. Um, they created a new gold glove award. This is for defensive play. And they created a new gold glove award for utility players. And I think it's time, high time, those guys get recognized. Okay. But I'm not preaching baseball this morning. I'm, I'm preaching body of Christ this morning. We have people in this church that God has called to be utility players, and I am so very thankful for you. Now, why is that so important? Because sometimes the hand doesn't act like a hand. Sometimes the foot doesn't act like a foot. Sometimes the eye is not seeing clearly. Sometimes the ear is not hearing correctly. Doesn't decides that the, sometimes the ear decides it doesn't even want to come along. And so the utility player steps up, and I'm telling you, the utility player is as much a God ordained position as any other position. You know, there are times when the devil, I'll say this, there are times the devil's trying to take somebody out. And sometimes he takes the foot out, and until we can get the foot restored, the utility player's got to say, okay, I'll be the foot today. Sometimes the utility player's got to step up and say, I'll be the nose today. I'll be the toenail today. You know, I mean, we're talking humbling yourself, you know. You, you, you say, I got I to gotta be this today because the, the toenail's not, not here. So we got to have a toenail. So I'll be the toenail, you know. 
And I, I got to believe there is a special award for gold glove utility players in the body of Christ. You know, I mean, that's, you won't find that in the Bible, but uh, that, that's my imagination on the thing. Okay. Because I know how valuable you are to me. But he says, now you are the body of Christ, but members individually. Paul said to Philippians, in chapter 2, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit or, lowly, or in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Now, this word better than, you know, we talked, we talked quite a bit about that, but let me give you some definitions here. This word uh, esteem, first of all, this word esteem is the Greek word hagiomai, and it means to account, to judge, to have the rule over, to suppose or to think. To think of, of others as being better than yourself or what concerns them as above your own interest. This word better is the Greek word hooper echo. And it means superior, um, better, or refers to excellency, or higher, or supreme. Considering one another, yet here's what we have so often in the body of Christ, and this has hampered the growth of the body. Well, if I promote them, I might not get what's mine. If I promote them, then people might do this, or people might think this way. Or we're, sometimes we are so afraid. I brought this out in our leadership class, uh, but, you know, sometimes we get in this thing of, you know, Thou, in the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not covet. And I've never actually heard someone talk about this in this way. But you realize you can covet someone else's anointing? You can covet someone else's position? Sometimes the body of Christ is afraid of each other. You're afraid that if I promote you, you're going to take advantage of me. It is time to get delivered from the spirit of fear because you cannot love the person you're afraid of. I'm going to say that again. You need to get this. You cannot love the person you're afraid of. 
They're going to take my position. They're going to get more recognition than me. They're going to, they're going to take advantage of me. They're going to just think I can be walked on. They're going to, you know, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, how is it that Christians take other Christians to court before unbelievers to settle a dispute? How does that even happen? He says, wouldn't it be better, wouldn't it be better to just let them take advantage of you than to shame the name of Christ? Paul said it. I didn't make that up. Paul said that. And if you want to know, you can find it. Wouldn't it be better just to let them take advantage of you than for you to shame the name of Christ by taking them to court and letting an unbeliever decide between the two of you? Do you realize that, that those matters of dispute should be decided? I mean, sometimes there's going to be disputes. You can't ever have two people without a, a, ever once in a while having a dispute. And sometimes you just need to come before the body of Christ and say, all right, I trust the body of Christ to do what it's supposed to do and decide between the two of us. And then you accept what they decide. Now, I realize that the church is not at a place where that can actually happen right now. But that's where, we, we're, that's where we're trying to grow up to that place. We're, we're looking to grow up to that place where we can function like we're supposed to function. And as long as we're afraid of each other and coveting one another's position and another, one another's attention and one another's recognition and, you know, and, and anointing and we're coveting this, you know, I, I, I said this about uh, in, in that meeting. I said that, that pastors are coveting other pastors. You know, there are some pastors that I could covet their congregation because they're much larger than you. They got a whole lot more members than you. And I could say, well, you know, I, I, I covet that. No, I don't covet that, but, but I'm saying I could. I could. And, and every time I hear a preacher a pastor that is attacking a pastor of a mega church. You've all heard it. Happens all the time. I wish it didn't, but it does. And they're attacking the pastor of a mega church. The truth of the matter is, if it were told, they actually covet that pastor's church. They covet that pastor's ministry. And they're functioning in covetousness. We cannot love who we covet their position. We cannot love who we're afraid of. We're getting real today. These are some things we got to take care of in the body of Christ. And unless we talk about it, it's not going to get taken care of. Unless we open our eyes to see it, it's not going to get taken care of. Praise God. If you're new to the body of Christ... Don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. The, the, this, is a, this is a wonderful family. 
<laughs> I'm not just talking. You know, we have our faults, but your, your family does too. All right? So, so you know, we, we've all got our faults. The family of God has his faults, but we address them. We deal with them. We take care of them. We correct them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, we've got faults. It's not because of Jesus. Don't get, don't get off on Jesus because of what we do sometimes. All right? We want to follow him. Sometimes we just need to follow him a little more correctly and accurately. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you. Philippians 2, 5. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. See, Jesus had it. He had everything perfect. Everything absolutely perfect. And yet he decided to come join this body. He decided to come be one of us. He decided to come identify with the messed up. He decided to come hang out with the messed up people. He was in heaven with the Father and all the holy angels that were there, and he decided to come hang out with the messed up people. And he didn't just do it contrary to popular belief. He didn't do it just for 33 years. The Bible says he became flesh, but it never says he unbecame flesh. So to this day, the Bible says that at the right hand of the Father is seated a man, Christ Jesus. He became a man for eternity. He chose to hang out with you and move on the inside of you for eternity. Praise God. Why? Because he believed that you not only could measure up, but would measure up. And he is patient with you. And he, you, you maybe don't understand what exactly that means. He saw you exactly like him. And so he said, you know, I'm going to move in and I'm going to be with them for eternity. And I'm going to work in them this same Holy Spirit that empowered me and my ministry on earth. This same Holy Spirit's going to move in on the inside of them and we're going to begin to change them. Don't think you don't need to change. If you say, I don't need to change, you say, I don't need Holy Spirit. You need to change. I need to change. We all need to change. We need to change different things. We're all different, but we need to change different things. But the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of us that has come to empower us to, to, to be what God created us to be, that empowered us to rule over this planet, praise God, he's moved in you, and he's not going anywhere. 
We think every time we mess up, he leaves. That is one of the, that is one of the most heretical things that has ever been taught in the church. Because Jesus clearly said, Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to abide with you forever. That's what he said. Jesus, by the person of the Holy Spirit, said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it doesn't matter how short you come of the glory of God. He is still in you because he still believes you're going to measure up and you're going to, you're, you're going to become everything he envisioned. And you have in him. He already sees you that way. Praise God. You may not see yourself that way. You need to. You need to. You need to be able to look in the mirror and say, there, there's one of the members of the body of Christ right there. Right there. In Christ, I am everything he said I could be. In Christ, I could do everything he said I could do. In Christ, I fulfill his highest expectations for me. Praise God. Now, why is that? You say, well, I know me, and I don't know. Here's what it is. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ. And everything that he is is counted to you. And the sooner you realize that, see, we will behave like what we believe. So all those imperfections you see, it's because you really haven't come to the level you're really believing what he said yet. Because when you believe it, you'll demonstrate it. When you believe it, you'll walk it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you believe it, that's what's going to show up to everybody else. You got to believe it first. You see, this walk of faith is not about you doing, it's about you believing what He did. Praise God. You have been created in Christ Jesus unto, unto, unto good works. Not because of good works. You have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. There's got to be a stopping place here somewhere. <laughs> I can't seem to find it, but it's, you know, I love to get on this stuff because this, this is the kind of stuff that begins to change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, then we start to change the way we are. Hallelujah. And when we start to change the way we are, then we start doing what we are created to do. We start being who we were created to be. We start changing and transforming the world. You see, God created you to be a world changer. <laughs> Praise God. He created you to be in charge of this place. Devil thinks he runs it. 
But I got news for him. He was never created to run this place. The Bible says the one that climbed up some other way, that means he wasn't born here. He, came, he, he climbed up some other way. says he's a thief and a robber. But Jesus said, thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life. I, what I did over outdid what he did. If there is anything that the devil did that Jesus did not reverse at the cross, then what, God, what, what the devil did in Adam is greater than what God did in Christ. But I got to tell you, what God did in Christ is far greater than what the devil did in Adam. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're starting to learn. We're, we're starting to learn. Let me, let me emphasize that. We're starting to learn. We hadn't learned it all. We hadn't learned it all. But, you know, I said, Lord, teach me. Lord, teach me. Teach me. Teach me to be who you said I am. Teach me to, to, to properly fill my place in the body. Because when we do, there will be growth of the body. That's what the Scripture says. You know, I look at this crowd this morning, and we've been experiencing growth around here. And, you know, we're seeing it in more than one. We're seeing growth in more than one way. But what that tells me is you start to get this. Starting to get it, we're going to get it more. Praise, Praise God. And we're going to grow more. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. Father, we thank you today. Well, let's grow a little, a little bit more right now. If you have never been born again, you have never come into this family, you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to join the family of God. I want to invite you to choose Jesus. And when you do, you will be born into the family of God. Praise God. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. So if that's you today, you believe Jesus came to this earth, went to the cross, and paid the penalty for all of your sins. If you believe that, praise God, now you get to make a choice. Am I going to choose to act on what I believe? Am I going to choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior? Am I going to put my trust in Him and stop trusting myself Stop trusting in my good works. Stop trusting in anything else but trust in Jesus and what he did for my salvation. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. And if you've never prayed this before, if you mean what you're saying, when we say amen at the end of this prayer, you instantly will be born again. You instantly become a member of the body of Christ.
praise God, of the family of God. God becomes your father. Jesus becomes your brother. I become your brother. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's say this together. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you for paying all of the penalty for all of my sins. Father, thank you for raising him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Right now, from this moment forward, I declare what you have declared, that I am saved. Amen.